Mac Power Users, Episode 133, Alfred 2. Hey, everybody, it's David Sparks along with Katie Floyd. Hey, Katie. Hey, David. It's kind of fun to do a show with just the two of us. It seems like we've been doing a lot of shows with guests lately. It is, but I understand that I'm supposed to be angry. Yeah, that's great. I love that. A lot of feedback. Angry wow. Katie. Wow, now that's a ringtone right there. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but the uh, yeah, it's uh, it was a fun episode with Merlin this year. Oh, we had a I, good know, time. Every every year, learn something new. I always enjoy those episodes. But uh, like I said before, we got on the microphone. It, it's really nice we haven't done a show just the two of us for a while, and it's just a it's a good kumbaya day for me. Just got home from work, got the jeans on, ready to talk some Mac stuff. It's yeah, late I, for me. I'm I'm in my pajamas. I'm going to bed after this. I I, I learned something uh, that you know, releasing a book, doing a trial, and going out of town to speak and like in a three week period is probably not a good idea. So busy. Uh, we're all, we're always learning. Anyway, but uh, this, so there's a new app out, uh, Alfred Two. I guess I wouldn't say a new app. It's an old app that got a a new version. A big update, yeah. Yeah, and we did a show on LaunchBar, one of the very first shows we did in, on Mac Power Users so many years ago. I gotta look. I think it's probably single digit. Yeah, and so it's interesting. And so Alfred is a is a keyboard launcher app. It's kind of one of these apps where it runs in the background and you activate it with a keyboard uh, combination, and you can do all sorts of magic on your on your Mac. And uh, both of us kind of have a history with these style apps. The the original app that really pushed this button for me was Quicksilver. And, Which know, and, ironically I, just came out of beta. Well, sort of. Okay, so <laughs> Quicksilver was out there for a long time and it was it was a one-person project in a project of love by a very smart guy um, who eventually went to work at Google and, you know, the, the project kind of lingered. And, uh, and so a lot of us, you know, geeks were really into Quicksilver and we had all this great stuff we'd done with it. And then I'll know, I think was his name's Alcor is the name he goes by, but I forget his, his real name and I should have looked it up before we started. But anyway, uh, so he did an interview at one point with some Mac website and he was talking about how there were problems with Quicksilver because, you know, he really kind of built it for himself and never really meant it as a product and it kind of took on a life of its own. But then he got too busy and I was having these problems with it where it would just randomly crash and stop working and I'd have to rebuild my library. And it started to become one of those things where the amount of time I was spending keeping Quicksilver running was exceeding the amount of time it was saving me with its great keyboard shortcuts. And, uh, and he even said in an interview that, um, and if you could look at his name up while I'm talking, I'd feel really good because I feel bad that I don't know I'll his work name. On, but, I'll work on that. But the, um, he had said, look, you know, I'm not developing it. It needs an active development. I would recommend using LaunchBar. <laughs> and uh, and th- so this is like three or four years ago. This goes back a while. And um, Is it Nicholas Jakoff? Yes. Yes. That's Google. It. And uh, so anyway, um, so at that point, I said, okay, that's enough. So I went over to LaunchBar and got really into it. So much so that when I was starting this new geeky podcast, one of the first subjects I pitched to you, is said, let's do an episode on LaunchBar. We did. And I think that's the, that's the first time you rolled your eyes at me um, digitally and said, <laughs> really? A whole episode on one, one app? Really? And I'm like, yes, we can it, do this. It kind of became a thing. 
Yeah. So anyway, so that might have been a, a big experiment. And we did. So we did a whole episode on LaunchBar. And I still think LaunchBar is a good product. It's still out there. You can still buy it. And I've used it faithfully for many years. Um, however, um, you know, there's for a variety of reasons, which we're going to go into in the show. There's been this up upstart Alfred out for a couple of years. And as episode they were seven, by the way. Episode seven. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that goes back a while. Yep. So anyway, this Al- Alfred, this upstart was out there and I started playing with it. And I had this idea like six months ago that we'd do kind of like a SmackDown episode where we'd have uh, me to talk launch bar and maybe Don McAllister to talk Alfred because I know he likes Alfred. And someone like Merlin or somebody who's still using Quicksilver in and we just kind of talk through launcher apps. And um, then I started, I said, well, if I can't really do this show unless I use each one. So I, I loaded up Alfred 1, which is the prior version, about three months ago. And I just started using it. And it took a little while to kind of get the transition over. But I never really saw a reason to go back to Launch Bar because I kind of got a, got into it. And then with the version 2 coming out, I really got into it. And so I've now switched horses and I'm I'm running on, on Alfred all the time. And I... I can already see the emails coming in from the users who bought launch bar licenses because of episode seven. And even they were a sponsor of our show for a while and saying, Dave, what are you doing to me? You know, I just spent money because you told me to use launch bar. And now you're telling me to spend more money on something else. Well, that was July 26th of 2009. <clears throat> oh my gosh. Do you know we've been passing that long? Well, anyway, they, um, they've gotten a lot of use out of launch bar. And it's okay. And frankly, I'm not sure that you need to switch to Alfred. Uh, I think LaunchBar is still a pretty good product. In fact, there's a lot of things both these apps do with equal speed and efficiency, some of which I think LaunchBar does probably faster. But uh, I really like some of these features in the new Alfred 2 app. And for now, at least, I'm using it. So uh, rather than do the SmackDown episode and spend a whole bunch of time arguing back and forth, we thought, let's just give Alfred the same attention we gave LaunchBar so many years ago. And if you're interested in this, this is a good one to listen along and get good at it. So without further ado, let's start talking about Alfred 2. 126 episodes later. There you go. Just think what we'll be talking about in episode, you know, 382. There you go. All right. So um, let, let's get back to the basics. And you talked about it a little bit, but there is still Alfred version one. It's out there and it's available on the app store as a free app. And then the developer released Alfred version two, which has a free component and a pay component. So I think we may want to spend a little bit of time talking about the kind of three different versions of Alfred that are out there and why you may be interested in either of those three versions. Okay. Okay. Well, where do you want to start with that? All right. So there's version one that's still available in the app store, right? Yeah. Um, Now, and then there's Alfred version two free version that is available on the Alfred website. Now, there are obviously benefits of purchasing through the app store, i.e., you know, it's available on multiple computers. You just click download. It's always there. But besides just, I mean, if it's, if it's free on, the, on version one on the app store and it's free to download the basic version on their website, can you think at this point of any advantages of, of picking up version one on the app store over, over picking it up on the developer's website and going ahead and getting version two? No. Well, I, I guess if you were uh, used to the Alfred kind of workflows and keyboard shortcuts and you had some other computers in your life that you didn't want to buy a full-on Alfred version 2 license for, but, uh, you know, it really doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Okay. 
I, and so, I, I, sus- yeah. I suspect it. And, and frankly, you're going to be wanting to get, if you're going to go with Alfred, I'm, we're going to recommend you get the, the power pack version. Right. But I just wanted to point out that if somebody goes to the app store and searches for Alfred, that's what they're going to get. Yeah. Now, I don't know if the developers are trying to get version two in the app store or if because of the, the restrictions have tightened since the original version one got in the app store. I suspect that that's not going to be possible anymore. But I just wanted to point out that if you go to the app store and search for Alfred right now is the time we're recording this. It's going to be a different version than what you can download from the developer's website. So I agree with you completely. If, if you want to try out Alfred, the best thing to go is to do is to go to the developer's website at alfredapp.com and go ahead and grab the free version. And we're going to go through kind of some of the basics of Alfred, and then we'll talk a little bit about where you get into the power pack, because then you have the, the, the basic feature set of Alfred is free. And then there's this add-on called the power pack, which is 15 pounds, I believe, which is ballpark about $25. Yeah. And it unlocks a, a whole slew of additional functions, including these nifty workflows that David's going to talk about, as well as some um, things like one password integration. And, you know, I think clipboard buffer is a, um, is a power pack feature and some other things like that. Yeah. I think file navigation, there's a couple of things you can do with it. And, you know, it's, it's $25. I, I think if you're going to do one of these things, you jump in whole hog the day, you know, when I, when I decided to go with it, I just logged on and bought my power pack. So, uh, and a lot of the features we're going to talk about on this episode are power pack related. So I, I guess we should just get started. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Okay. Yeah. So Alfred and the very basics is first and foremost, an app launcher. And if you've used Quicksilver or if you've used LaunchBar, or even if you've just used the, the app launcher um, abilities in Spotlight, that's first and foremost what it is. So you turn on Alfred and I would strongly suggest that, that you set it to launch at startup and you, you start typing. Um, I've, I've got mine actually set to command space and I know that's the, the, you've got yours as control, don't you? What did you, what is your option control? Uh, no, yeah. Mine is control space and it goes back to Quicksilver yeah. because that was the keyboard command that was defaulted on Quicksilver. And I taught myself that very early. I use command space for spa- for, um, for spotlight. See, so, I, I use spotlight so infrequently I've, I've gone into the spotlight preferences and moved those around. So it is control space and Alfred is command space. But yeah, yeah. I, I could almost get away with that because, um, like you, I almost never use Spotlight. But uh, with having done this for so many years, it, it really doesn't matter to me. Well, and here's another reason I do it is because I am so used to using a launcher now that when I sit down at somebody else's Mac that doesn't have a launcher in it, what does Command Space do? It opens up Spotlight, which acts as an app launcher. Yeah. So. It's just learned muscle memory for me. So anyway, if I if I just op- if I hit Command Space, open up Alfred, a little window pops up, pops up in the middle of the screen. This window is customizable. They've got all kinds of preferences that you can change the appearance. And I'm just going to hit like let's say S. And in fact, I'll do it right. So when I hit S, I get a couple of things that have popped up based on my use. Uh, the first is Safari. The second is Solver, and the third is actually David Sparks. Um, nice. So there you go. And then it goes Skype, Sketch, System Preferences, App Store, ScanSnap Manager, and and on and on. So Safari is probably always going to come up first because that's usually the first app. If I continue typing and I hit SA, then it's going to narrow it down. That's I'm more likely to Safari. And, and Alfred is intelligent and it will keep learning that if I type in SA and I always launch Safari, that's going to become my abbreviation 
for Safari. Or when I type an S, if I most frequently launch Safari, that's why Safari rises to the top. Apparently, I look up David Sparks' contact information more frequently than I launch Skype. So that's why you made number three. Excellent. I want to be number one, Katie. I don't know that I'm going to call you more than I launched Safari, but I can work on that. All right. I actually don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, yeah. And what's the difference between that and Spotlight? I mean, you can do that largely in Spotlight. If you open up Spotlight and you start typing in some letters, you're going to see some applications show up. Uh, but the, the difference really is with these launcher apps, LaunchBar or, or Alfred, is that there's stuff you can do with those files once you select them. And it goes far beyond the functionality you get from the built-in spotlight. Yeah. So, so keeping with very basic, um, you know, if I wanted to open Safari, then I can just go ahead and hit the return key and it's going to open. But if I wanted to open David Sparks' contact card, which is my third entry, uh, then I'm going to hit command three because you're my third entry and it will immediately jump to the third entry. And I've got all these, these, these command keys by the side. Command two is solver. Command three is David Sparks. Command four is Skype and so forth and so on. Now, if I or, hit, or you could arrow down. Or, or I could arrow down. It. Yeah, or I can mouse it. That's true. Um, if I just want to know where maybe this document is, if I hit the command key, it will show me the path to that document. So I can find that Safari is in um, you know, the root directory in applications and you know, Safari.app. Yeah, which is great. Let's say you've got two versions of an app installed on your computer for one reason or another, and that happens. Um, you can look at the path to know that you're launching the correct one. Right. Um, and then the alt key will, will if, allow you to find similar files just to kind of wrap up what you can do just in this initial view. Yeah. The um, other, go ahead. One of the things I really like about this in terms of an app launcher, though, is the action menu. And you get that too to a certain degree with launch bar, but the way it works with Alfred is the right arrow key. So if I open up Alfred and I hit command space or control space and I type B, I get byword. And if I hit the right arrow key, I get recent documents. And so if I've got five or six different documents I'm writing in byword, I can very quickly get to the uh, file I want and open it up. Yeah, now and and my I've actually set the tab key to be my action key. And that's the other thing with with Alfred is we'll go over some of the the basics that you can do, but you can customize and set all of the preferences to do a gazillion different things in a gazillion different ways. So you really want to spend some time customizing the preferences in Alfred. And and there may be some reasons that you want to use the tab key versus the arrow key and so forth and so on. And I think with all of these things there is no right way. It's just finding what what works or what you remember. Right. Now, when you also get into the action menu, you can show more options to perform with a specific app. Instead of just opening the recent documents, you can do other things with them. You can email them, you can copy them, you can uh, you can do all kinds of things once you actually get in there. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not just recent documents. You can show package contents if you want to get in and make a copy of an icon, for instance. Or, like you said, you could reveal it in the Finder, so you can go straight to the document or application in the Finder. Uh, the email entry is nice because there's an e there's two different emails. The email to entry opens up an email and allows you to... I'm sorry, the email to entry allows you to insert a name from your contacts and opens up an email. All this stuff 
is it doesn't really lend itself to an audio explanation. But if you're looking over somebody's shoulder when they do it, it, it is really like magic. They can make things happen on their computer very quickly. Right. Now, you may be wondering, why would I ever want to email an application to somebody? I mean, why would I ever want to email the ByWord application or the Safari application to somebody? Well, Alfred is a lot more than just an app launcher. Depending on how you customize your preferences, you can also set Alfred to do uh, to be a customized search. So by default, it's it's going to use an intelligent search, which means it's going to search your applications first. But if I want to search for a specific document, all I have to do is hit a space key and then start typing what I think are a few key characters of the file name, and it will search for files on your hard drive or whatever other drives you've told it to index. For example, at work, everything I have is on a network-attached drive and I've told it to to index my folder on that network attached drive because I don't want to index everybody else's folder because that'd just be ridiculous. Um, and it can start searching for files on a hard drive. And then when you're really searching for files, you know, if David says, hey, Katie, can you send me a copy of that invoice? Instead of me having to take my mouse and navigate in the finder and go to, okay, well, I think it's in my Dropbox. I think it's in my podcast folder. I think it's in my Mac Power Users folder. I think it's in March, uh, you know, and navigating down, 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 down. I know what it's called. It's called March, it, you know, it's called March Invoice. And I can hit the space key and start typing March, and it will find that particular invoice. Once I find it, I can hit the action key, which in my case is the tab key, arrow down a few keys to email to, and then I can email it to David Sparks without ever taking my hands off the keyboard. It's it's really elegant once you figure it out. So. Okay, so so it's just not just applications, it's files. And then it gets goes on from there. Um, you can open a document like if you have a file open you hold the shift key down you get to you can pop it up very quickly in quick look yeah All is this, this really stuff, the, the file that i wanted to email david i want to take a peek at it before i before i do yeah, and all this stuff is letting you uh, keep your hands on the keyboard and keep things moving. There's also some commands. There's open and find. And if you use the open command and go search a file, it will open the applic- the uh, file when you find it. So if I open, if I type the open command and find a ByWord text file I'm working on, it will open it up in ByWord. If I use the find command, and the way you do that is type find, F-I-N-D, space, and then start typing your file name, it'll go show the file in its enclosing folder. So if you say, well, I know there's a bunch of pictures I want to look at, and one of them is called Firehose. And so you type find space Firehose, it goes finds that file image. It'll open it up in the enclosing folder, which lets you get started. In fact, I did that about five minutes before we got online today to go look at the outline for today's show because I wanted to get into that folder. And there's a couple of other basic features of Alfred that we'll, we'll try to cover. And one is called the buffer. And the buffer is what you can use when you want to perform these actions that we've been talking about, i.e. I want to mail two items or I want to take action on two specific items or three or four, just basically more than one. So here's an example. Um, I, I learned how to make spaghetti squash this week. It's kind of like where you substitute squash for the noodles and spaghetti. I thought it'd be mm-hmm. really weird, but it was it was it was actually pretty good. Sounds good. Yeah. So, David, if I wanted to share this with you because it's something you're interested in, I I would need to share two things with you. I would need to share with you my spaghetti squash recipe, but 
Then I have a separate document about actually cooking the spaghetti squash itself because I've got the recipe for preparing the spaghetti squash. But then, you know, there are like three different ways you can cook spaghetti squash, like in the oven or in the crock pot or in the microwave, depending on how much time you have. So I'm sitting here going, you know, if I just send David my spaghetti squash recipe and step one is cook your spaghetti squash, you're going to be lost. So I would want to send you those two documents together. So what I would do is I would invoke Alfred you know, find those PDFs on my hard drive in, you know, related to spaghetti squash. And then I would store them in the buffer. And the way that you usually do that is when you've got the file highlighted in Alfred. And again, this is all customizable based on your preferences. You hit the alt key and it pops the file up in Alfred, like in a little tab up above. And it acts as a temporary storage area. So Alfred says, okay, I got this. What do you want to do next? So I, I grab the spaghetti squash recipe and then I go looking for the instructions on how to actually prepare the squash. And then I grab that too. And then once I've got those, I I can take those documents and then I can perform my email too. So now I've actually searched my, my file stored, my operating system. I found two separate PDF documents or text documents or whatever they are that I want to send to you. And I've emailed them to you without ever taking my hands off the keyboard. It's kind of freaky. I would want a picture of it too, definitely. So three documents. I'll have to take a picture of the spaghetti squash. And I would want a video of your family (laughs) eating it, and I want to see their faces as they eat it. I'm I'm actually having them over for dinner on Sunday, and I'm not going to tell them it's squash. Never mind the tripod in the corner. (laughs) Disregard that. I don't know what that's about. Yeah, so the, the workflow is you find the file, and you hit alt up arrow. And it, it starts, it, it pops up these little mini icons of these files as you start collecting them. Once you get enough that you want, then you hit the alt right arrow and it gives you the, the action menu. At least that's the way I have the preferences set. So I can email them off. I can send them off. I, I use it all the time too. And this is another feature that goes back to Quicksilver. It was what we, uh, Merlin Mann famously did a video called the comma trick. And it was the same thing. You hit the comma and you could start collecting files. I mean, one of the things we haven't mentioned that I really like about Alfred is just the visual look of it. And I think in this regard, it's definitely better than LaunchBar. Um, it's a nice uh, window that pops up big on your screen. The icons are a little bit bigger. The text is bigger. And um, I, I prefer the the UI of this much better. Um, when we did the show on LaunchBar, I complained about LaunchBar's UI back then, though. So, I, you know, I, I really... I really used to like the Quicksilver uh, interface. You know, they had this thing called the cube interface. I don't know if you ever used that, mm-hmm, where it made mm-hmm. a cube and it would just spin as you work through the nouns and the verbs of Quips, Quicksilver. I'm not sure Alfred is up to the Quicksilver standard for user interfaces because Quicksilver let you create your own interface, and a bunch of people were coming up with some really cool ones. Uh, Alfred does allow you to change the color and the look of the interface, but it doesn't allow you to create an entirely new one. But do you really need to? I mean, again, how much time are we spending fiddling versus actually doing what we need to do? No, that's a really good point. And um, I know that I definitely had several loaded up with Quicksilver, and I did enjoy once in a while changing them up. And you were but wondering I- why it was crashing? Yeah, that's that's a good point. But once I found the, the cube interface, I, I just used that all the time. I liked it because the icons were really big. And I do like that visual cue. I mean, I would rather just see a big Safari icon than have to read the word Safari in a group. It's a little bit faster. It, there's almost no interference when I just see the Safari icon hit return. I'm in Safari. So 
uh, I can see some reasons why I would like to to work with that a little bit more, but it's definitely better. You know, they've got LaunchBar beat on the interface, and I just think overall the the look and feel of this Alfred Two is is really nice. Hey, you know what? We've got a sponsor today, and yeah. it's one that I um we've talked about this this company and this application on the show before, but I'm I'm really um happy to have them on as a sponsor, and it's B Docs. And BDocs is a it's a company that makes really elegant timeline solutions for the Mac and the iOS. Uh, uh, they make beautiful multimedia timelines. Uh, it the the man behind BDocs is Adam Beringer, and he's one of these just quality people. I've I've met Adam and at MacWorld over the years, and I've seen the product as he's grown it, and he's he's made a really special product and I use it all the time. So I'm really glad to be talking about it. So uh, as a lawyer all the time, I'm trying to convey information to people over time. It's, it's one of the most common things we do and it's always difficult. And you watch like CNN or, or a well-produced news show and they will have timelines that show up. And you always think that's what I want to be able to convey to people, something that they're used to seeing uh, with good quality graphics, but I don't have time to go hire a graphics department and you know spend all the time to create all this stuff. Well, BDocs does this for you. And BDocs has got, got three different products for timeline software. Uh, the first one is Timeline 3D, and that's kind of the you know the their best product, frankly. It's sixty-five dollars. You can get it at bdocs.com. And it's timeline management done for the Mac, and it's got a, a ton of great features. One of the things it does is 3D timelines. So once you create a timeline, you can go ahead and put in images and and all this great rich media in there, and then you push a button and it automatically creates a timeline just like you see on the news. And you can click through on your Mac and it'll rotate through that timeline. Uh, it takes longer to put together the media and the data than it does to actually generate the timeline. And that's the greatest example I can give to the product with greatest testament. I, I was in a meeting uh, with a g- bunch of people and we were talking about some key items on a timeline. And while we were talking, I created this timeline. And when we were done, I said, well, this is how I understand it happened. And I put it on the board. And, you know, because we've got the um, the Apple TV, we are able to project from our Macs and our, our iPads to the TV in our conference room. At the end of it, their eyes were like bugging out of their head. They're like, how did you do that? <laughs> you know, they, they, they were so wowed by it. They weren't even, you know, they, it was great. It made me look like a superstar. And I did it all with, with timeline 3d. Now, um, Adam and BDocs has some additional products though, because if you, if you want to go a little simpler, they've got an app store version. Uh, it's called uh, timeline uh, 3d and there's actually there's one for the ipad and that's timeline 3d and then they've also got another one called easy timeline for the mac so uh you can go to easy timeline for the mac and that's got a few less features yeah, yeah. easy timeline is the app store version yes exactly right and, and it doesn't have all the same features as timeline 3d and it just depends on how far you're going to go with it um but it's really a great product as well. Like it, it doesn't have the built-in photo browser and the built-in audio browser. Um, there's a whole bunch of features with cinematic timelines that you get with timeline 3d that are, that are not an easy timeline. Um, and some of the automatic importers aren't there, but it, it's really also a great product. And if you go to the website at 
bdocs.com, you will be able to see a, a, a very long list of the different features. So you can make your, your own decision about which one to use. And then on top of it all now, they've got um, Timeline 3D for iOS. And I really love that product too, because it's got the same functionality, creates great 3D timelines on your iPad this time. And I, I really love it. I mean, I, uh, I use all these applications. And I think whether you're in sales, um, if you were a student, Definitely, if you're an attorney, uh, this is a product you're going to want to add to your tool belt because it can do a lot of great stuff. Once you've got the timeline done, you can switch between standard two dimensions or you can make it display with the 3D flyover and you can bring visual focus to the details of any any event, including any images, movies or notes while continuing to show it in relation to other events. And I do it all the time. One of the things I'll do is I'll run it and I'll run Keynote on my iPad. And then and the next app I'll run is, is the t- easy timeline for the iPad. And I'll flip between them with the four-finger swipe. It looks great. Um, another thing I can do sometimes is I will make a timeline. If I've got kind of a preset one I want to do, I'll create it in Timeline 3D for the Mac. I'll export it as a movie file and import it right into my Keynote file. And either way, I always look like a hero when I pull this product out. It's definitely one of my secret weapons. I'm sharing it with you now. Um, go check it out and let them know you heard about it from us. Um, we're really uh, appreciative when we have uh, developers of products we love come on the show and BDocs fits right in. Yeah. I, I used to, I, I can't really expand anything that you said other than I use timeline all the time to, to, to show in mediations and in trials and, you know, exactly how things happen. And I think even in any industry, this can work, but I had a, a, a situation recently where my assistant's kid was giving a presentation on Pearl Harbor and he had to give it as a PowerPoint. I'm like, Oh man, this would be really cool with a timeline. And I popped open easy timeline and said, look, we could, we could do the timeline of the attack from the, and we probably spent 15 minutes sitting there, you know, pulling his stuff in and, and uh, it was very cool. But it comes alive. It does. Yeah. I mean, cause I, I've been doing timelines for 20 years in front of people and I've looked at a lot of solutions and this is the one that really works for me. I've, I've even, you know, done the old days where you made them by hand using a ruler and trying to get it approximately right. And you draw them in a PowerPoint or a keynote presentation with lines and boy, easy timeline is just the way to go. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks B docs for your sponsorship of Mac power users. And uh, let's get back to Alfred. Yeah. So, um, all right. So that's kind of, we talked about the basics of Alfred and, even if the basics of Alfred covers a lot. Yeah. Everything that we've talked about other than create the actions part where you take action on files, that's the, you know, the app launcher and the find, I mean, that's all part of the the basic Alfred, but taking action is, is going to be a part of the power pack. The other thing that is included in Alfred, in addition to searching your own files, is it also has the ability to do all of these various searches of services on the web. So the obvious ones are services like Google and Wikipedia and Amazon and Wolfram Alpha, you know, so you can do a Wolfram Alpha search and say, you know, what is the population of Kansas City compared to the population of Austin? Or, you know, ask him any kind of those wacky Wolfram Alpha type questions. You can do all of that directly within the interface of Alfred. But there are dozens of, of predefined search snippets. So you can search, you know, I'm, I'm just naming a few of them, but Google Images, I think I said IMDb, 
or you can create your own. You know, this weekend I, I posted on Twitter, I created a, a search, uh, Alfred keyword search for Mac Power users, because how many times do people ask us, hey, have you talked about XYZ on your show? Well, it sounds familiar. I'm sure we have, but we've done 133 shows now. So, um, well, I'm going to go search the show notes and I'll let you know. Okay. So, uh, so stepping back, you can do a Google search. And I think in my rendition of Alfred, if I just type geo space, it sets up to do a Google search for me. And then I can type in the search. And if I type duck, D-U-C-K space, it does a duck, duck, go search for me. Yep. Um, it also Image. does stuff like weather, LinkedIn, Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. And just to explain how you do it, for instance, if you wanted to search Google Images, if you just type images and then space, you could type images, space, Cheesecake Factory, Irvine, California, and it'll go do a Google search for Cheesecake Factory in Irvine, California. If you did a maps search, you'd type maps, space, Cheesecake Factory, Irvine, California, and would do a Google Google Maps search for you for that same place. So it's very easy to to do the searches just off the keyboard where before you'd have to go into Safari and you'd have to get yourself to the Google Maps page or to the Google Images page first to get this going. So it cuts out additional layers of work for you. And like Katie was saying, once you get it figured out, there's a mechanism in there for you to create your own custom searches. And there's a, a little bit of trickery involved. You need to go in and figure out what the URL URL is for a search of a website. Uh, but it's very easy to do. And once you've set it up, then you can create searches for like MaxSparky.com or Mac Power Users or MacWorld or whatever you want to be able to search very quickly if there's a website you go to frequently. And one of the things we're going to do is put in the show notes is the Don McAllister screencasts on Alfred 2 because Don is just really doing a great job with this stuff. Yeah. And the other thing you can do is, and this is one area where I was having a little bit of friction switching over from, from LaunchBar to Alfred when I made the switch because I think I switched over a little later than you. I, I've been a launch bar devotee for forever. And when Alfred version two came out, I knew that we wanted to do this show or a variation of this show. So I disabled launch bar on all my computers and immediately bought Alfred power, Alfred two and the power pack um, and moved, put Alfred two on all my computers. And a little bit of the friction that I was having is some of my muscle memory in terms of what launched, what, you know, specifically with website search searches, was a little different. So for example, Alfred wouldn't search Google unless I typed this or, you know, whereas LaunchBar would do it if I typed that. And so one of the things that I did to ease some of this friction, and I'm sure Alfred would have eventually learned as long as they were close, is you can actually go in and change these keywords. So I went in and changed the keyword for Google Images to be IMG. So immediately when I type in IMG, it start to search for Google images as opposed to searching for other things on my computer that might be IMG. Yeah. And that's all in the web search menu in the, in the preferences. If you go to the general preferences and then I'm sorry, the, the features uh, preferences tab and then web search, you'll see all of the available stuff. In fact, they have a place there to search Google reader. I wonder how long that'll stay. Yeah. That's going to be removed in version 2.1. <laughs> but they have Wolfram Alpha, um, DuckDuckGo, Weather, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Ask, Yahoo, Bing. They have a lot of the common searches you want to do. Amazon is one I use all the time. And 
and it, it really isn't that difficult to add your own. So, so once you start getting in there and geeking out with this a little bit, you're going to very quickly customize it to just the searches you want. Yeah. And, and once again, you've got yourself out of the process of spending multiple mouse clicks and keyboard clicks getting somewhere. The other thing that it can do in terms of web search is it will also remember the websites that you've visited that you can type into Google. So, for example, my website, katiefloyd.me or macpowerusers.com or 5x5.tv, I mean, those aren't things by default that Alfred has searched in. Now, if I have those in my favorites, which I probably do, um, it will index my favorites and say, okay, you, you may want to search these. But for websites that I don't have in my favorites or websites that I normally just type in the URL, Alfred will, if you type them in the Alfred rem- oh, window, will remember those URLs as you type them and then as you go back to type them a second time, we'll bring those up as options for Alfred. And it, there's also an option that it will remember that URL for a set period of time. So if I don't type in this URL again for a month, it can be auto-deleted so that that, you know, if it was just a random URL that I typed in one time, it won't constantly be popping up in my Alfred search results. Yeah, and in addition, it can also index your bookmarks. So if you use bookmarks and you flip the switch it will search all those as well. So if you want to go to AT&T, your AT&T uh, wireless page, like I've got that bookmarked. If I just type AT&T, it'll show up. Yeah, and, I, and, and we'll talk a little bit later when we get to the 1Password section about why or why not you may may not want those bookmarks to be indexed depending on how you do that. I think the bookmarks may be off by default or favorites may be off by default. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They are. So as we again say, Alfred is very, very customizable. So you can go in and out and, and, and change your settings. Um, so that's a, that's a little bit about web search. Yeah. And, and I think that's just applications and web search and file and file search are one of the most common uses for the application. Uh, searching files. I don't think we have, we ever, we don't really have that covered in the outline below this point, do we? Um, like searching files is also just really useful. If I type Mac power users, we have a folder that we share in Dropbox, obviously I have it set so I can just hit the right arrow keys and start navigating through those folders. And when I find the one I want, I can hit the return key and it'll open the folder in the finder. So when I'm working with files on the show, I can get there very quickly. And that's actually something you need to set up. It doesn't come set up like that by default. So I did that in the file search navigation um, tab. So if you're looking at the preferences as you listen to this, go to a, uh, the feature set, file search, and navigation tab, and you'll find that there's checkboxes there to allow you to do that. Yeah. But I, I mean, I just use that all the time. I mean, I even when I'm going through my action folder that I talked about in the paperless book, and I've got an oddball document in there that... I didn't really have a place for, you know, it's, I don't have a hazel rule automatically filing it for me. And it's kind of a one timer. I'll just, I'll, I'll go select it in Alfred and then I'll, I'll select it through there and then I'll hit the action key again and move it to wherever it needs to go without ever opening the finder. Right. So we ready to move on to one password integration? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Well, to me, one password and web search goes hand in hand because I so seldom will launch a website without needing to type in one password if it's a website that I need to get access to. So Alfred will search your one password bookmarklets. And so my initial thought was, okay, how 
how does this doing this? Well, don't be afraid. Alfred is not in any way importing or decrypting your book, your one password information. The only thing it's doing is it's reading, you know, when one, one password, you have the ability to create these one click bookmarklets, which are basically a fancy URL screen, a scheme that you can use to click on a bookmark, which I've actually replaced most of my favorites with these one click bookmarklets, by the way, but this is not a one password spot. Um, and it will, if your one password keychain is not open, prompt you to, to open your one password keychain and then give you access. So if, if you're kind of like me and most of your favorites are, you know, sites that you would normally log into with one password anyway, if you turn on the one password integration, which does require the power pack, you may not need it to search through your browser favorites because most of those favorites are going to be found through one password and it will automatically go through and launch that particular site and log you in, uh, you know, assuming of course you're unlocked and if not, it will prompt you to unlock your one password keychain. Yeah. It's a really great way to use one password. Now, one of the things I have found um, is this does give you a good reason to kind of go through one password and make sure that your, your, um, your titles are, are appropriate. Can I just tell well, you how many titles I have to things that are MPU? Yeah. I, I just want to know what you have on your computer. That's inappropriate. No, not inappropriate, but just to make sure that they are, you know, if I want to log into the MPU uh, website, I think I have that saved as MPU login. If I want to log into the MPU Twitter account, I think that's saved as MPU login. I'm like, oh, shoot, what oh. is that? Which one is that? Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. But it, yeah. one of the things it shows is it gives you a little preview of the URL underneath it. Does. It does. So, it does. So you'll you'd see HTTPS, www, Twitter, or wherever the login is. So that, that helps. Um, I, one of the tricks I think to this is when you enable it and, and this is a power pack only feature, but when you enable it, there's a little checkbox that allows you to say, show the default results without keyword. Otherwise you'd have to type one P space PayPal or whatever. Whereas if you hit the checkbox to say show in default results, which is what I do, all I have to do is type PayPal and I see PayPal slash Daisy, PayPal slash David, and I can just go to whatever I need to do, hit the return key and it, it brings me in. Great way to use one password. You know, it's just what the, the whole point of this Alfred application is to get you where you need to go without having to spend a lot of times, you know, being computer fiddly. Right. The, it's the kinds of apps like this is that I really miss when I'm on the iPad. <laughs> All right. Um, what other features do we need to cover? Um, well, I think, well, there's quite a few, but why don't we do a, another ad spot real quick? All right. Well, let's take a break and let's talk about our next sponsor for this episode. And that is connected data. And, you know, we ordered our, we got our connected data boxes, our transporters pretty early in this process. You know, we were, we were very fortunate to get some of the, be part of the test and get some of the, the early trial units. I know their Kickstarters are shipping and now they're publicly available. So if you go to their website and click in the link in our show notes and you can actually get a 10% discount, you know, they're publicly available and anybody can go order their connected data transporters. But, but here's the thing is that the, the beta box that we got and the box that's shipping today are, are so, maybe different's not the, the right word, but they have just continued to advance and advance and advance and advance and add new features. And these guys are really smart. 
that they're continuing to update these these boxes, and they're not really boxes, they're more like cones, remotely. So, you know, here's the thing. This, this connected data transporter that I got a couple of months ago that had all of this functionality has now become so much more valuable in the last month or so because connected data continues to add additional features to the product that I can use. For example, their iOS app just came out recently. So if you've got a one terabyte transporter, did you know that you can now have one terabyte of additional storage on your iPhone or your iPad or whatever? Yeah, and and they're not done yet. Yeah, so for all those times that you wanted access to these video files or these photo files or whatever, but you didn't want to carry them around on your iPhone all the time, toss them on your transporter. You can get access to them on your iPhone, download them when you're on Wi-Fi or on LTE or or whatever when you're available. So you've got access to that. Um, and the thing that has been really helpful to me because I've, I've learned more new tricks for using these is check out the videos on their website and we'll put a link to those on the show notes because they just keep adding these how-to videos saying, oh yeah, well this is how if you want to use our connected data transporter as a replacement for Dropbox, they walk you through, do, 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 this is how you do it. You know, now they've added the feature where you can now share data with someone who doesn't have another transporter. So if I want to share and I want to be the host of data on my transporter, to my mother who doesn't have her own transporter yet. Um, I can say, hey, mom, go go create an account. You don't have to have your own device. I'll host this for you and I can share this file to you. And she doesn't have to worry about having it. Those are new features that they've added since they've shipped the box. So I've got to say kudos to the team over at Connected Data because the the unit that they shipped me and the unit that I'm using today Although the unit they shipped me was pretty impressive and what they promised that they can do, the unit that they shipped that I'm I'm using today has a lot more capabilities and and like you said, they're not done yet. Yeah, and as the product gets out into the wild, they're finding all these great uses for it. People are using it in ways they never anticipated. And they're developing tools to help people, you know, use it in these new and interesting ways. I was just at the American Bar Association tech show and Connected Data was there and I got to visit the booth. And first of all, lawyers are going nuts for this. There's like a ton of people that want this product because it's such a a great niche. Um, But they also, they've got some really great stuff in the pipeline for what they're going to be doing with this. So it's a great time to get in on the Connected Data transporter devices. And if you haven't seen one yet, go check it out on the online. The videos will definitely show you the way. And and it, if you're completely unfamiliar with the product, the way it works is you plug it into your Ethernet or wireless on your home network, and it's this great cloud-based storage that you control. You can unplug it or you can share it. You can take it to a family member's house and plug it in and share your data to an offsite location without having to do the dance with the USB drives. You can share data. It does a lot of great stuff, and uh, we do thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Go check it out. Yep, you can find more information at filetransporter.com slash MPU. And again, check out the link in our show notes, and you can save 10% when you get yours. So. So, so there's more basic functionality built into Alfred 2. Uh, one of them is a calculator. And I, once again, this is something I use quite often. If I just want to do a quick calculation, I don't use it for real advanced math equations. It's, it's more like, you know, what's 30% of 128 or something like that. But you just activate Alfred and start typing in your math calculation, and it gives you the result essentially as you type. Um, there are some more additional uh, preferences you can do with math. They've got some more advanced features. You turn those on in the preference pane. 
Yeah. And another feature that's a lot of fun is the dictionary. I use this all the time because I'm a horrible speller. And I look at something, I'm like, is that, you know, spell check didn't catch that, but that might not be the word that I thought it was. Um, Because, you know, those words all look alike. So you can get direct access to your um, Max built-in dictionary by saying define, and it will look up a word and give you the definition so you can make sure that you're using a proper word or get a synonym for the word or whatever. Or if you're not quite sure of the spelling of the word, you can type spell and type in how you think the spell you spell the word, and it will offer you multiple options for the word as long as as well as their basic definitions, so that you can make sure that you're you've actually got the word that you want, and you can then you know paste the word in on action you know when you're done. So you just go ahead and after you look up the actual word that you want, pop it into your document where you're working. How do you spell doppelganger? I don't know, but I think. Uh, I think Alfred could fix it up. I think I think I found your doppelganger in Chicago. I saw some lady. I thought it was you. It was me. <sighs> okay. Well, I'm I'm looking it up with Alfred right now. Define or spell, right? Spell. If like, you don't know how to spell it. I got it. I think it's D-O-P-P-E-L. Yeah, it's the two P's that got me. Yeah. All right. So that's another uh, that's another cool thing you can do with it. Uh the uh, I really like the contacts and that's something, yeah. another thing I use all the time. And for a contact, like you were saying earlier, you saw my name when you typed, was it S? Mm-hmm. If I, if I start K A, I get Katie Floyd. And then, uh, your number one, when I stop K A T, look at that. And wow. then, so I can, if, what's number one a, for K A? I don't want to, that's a, that's a client. I okay. can't talk about that. Okay. Uh, but anyway, so Katie is number one. If I type K A T and if I hit return, it will open up a, a contact card for Katie. It's not the contacts in the contacts database. It's a contact card that Alfred creates. And depending on which field I select, there's a variety of things I can do. Um, command C will copy and command L makes it into large text. And this is one of the things I use all the time because as we established in our last show, I'm ancient. So uh, when I want to call somebody, I need the phone number nice and big so I can, I'll open up the contact card. I'll, I'll arrow down to the phone number I want to call and I'll type command L and it fills up the screen with the phone number. So I can walk across the room to the office phone and dial the number without feeling silly. Yeah, and it's pretty neat. It gives you the the Alfred interface gives you a nice if you've got that person's photo, it will show you a little photos so you can make sure that you're talking to the to the right person. Um and then you can do other things like you said you can you can send a new email message to um command O opens that in a, the address book if you actually need to go ahead and and edit that or add something to their contact card so you can get quick quick access to their to their contact card and address book. Um, and then you can also do some custom actions, which is in the power pack. Um, so if you go into contacts in the, in the preferences and go into power pack, there's some custom actions that you can perform on other fields like the address field. So if you perform an action on the address field, you can pass that on to say Google maps, or if you highlight their Twitter address or their Facebook, you can you can basically pass those on to a specific URL scheme. And these are just going to get more and more powerful and more and more advanced as different apps build in support for URL schemes. So right now, by default, addresses can can open in Google Maps. I'm sure you can customize that to be, you know, Bing Maps or whatever their equivalent is. Um, Twitter will open, you know, twitter.com slash whatever Facebook will open their Facebook page um, and you can perform more options from there. 
you can and, go ahead. And all that stuff is just accessible from the root uh, Alfred menu. Just start typing a name. Yeah. Um, you can also send an email to somebody through here. So we talked about if, if you, you can email them directly, you know, if you, if you don't open their contact card, Alfred will just send it to their primary email address, unless you've got little preference box and Alfred tick to say, look, if they've got multiple email addresses, you know, ask me which address I want to send it to. Um, and then if you're a Gmail user, if you're one of those people who likes to use the Gmail web interface, there's an option in there that says, Hey, use Gmail to compose a new mail message. And if you're sending files through Alfred using that action menu, it will, you know, even, you know, pre-populate the message with file attached. Here's the name of the file. Another thing that's nice about this is it, it is sensitive to how often you use something. So, for instance, I just went to, I've been opening Katie's card repeatedly as we've been talking and fiddling with so I run to the things top. I can do with yeah. it. Now you're number one. Good. Now you are my K. It's not even K-A anymore. It's Perfect. Just K. Perfect. And, um... And so Alfred is smart that way, and it starts to pick it up. OmniFocus is OF for me. I type OF, just hits OmniFocus. You know, the, the apps that I'm in and out of every day will work that way. I need a new picture of you, Katie. You're sitting in front of a whiteboard on this picture, and oh my somebody goodness. shot you behind with a flash. It's a terrible picture of you. A whiteboard? A yeah, I don't know what this is about. Oh, my goodness. Looks like you're maybe at a uh, Mac user group or something. Oh, Okay. It's like an old Twitter picture or something. Yay. All right. I'll see what I can do about that. Okay. Um, so that's, you know, getting you started with the kinds of things you can do with Alfred. And but then there's more. We get into the a little bit more power stuff, right? Yeah. I think, I think that we're definitely starting to cross some sort of barrier here. Okay. Going, going out of the neutral zone, into the neutral zone. Yeah. You're a Star Trek person, right? I am a Star Trek person. Yes. All right. All right. So now we get into the clipboard, which is switched off by default. And, and yeah. you were a big clipboard history user in LaunchBar, as huge, I recall. Huge, huge. Right. In so, fact, I think that was one of my issues with Alfred when it first came out, is they didn't have good clipboard support, so I immediately dismissed it. And I initially wondered, well, you know, the clipboard is only designed to store one thing at a time. Why do I need to keep my clipboard history for the last 365 days? But apparently David does. Well, I don't know if it goes back that far, but I, <laughs> I'm, in the clip, it's an option. I'm copying and pasting things all day, you know, yeah, between no. writing documents. I mean, we're lawyers. We always are taking bits of text from something and using it somewhere else. Um, also, I like to write for the web and write books. So I'm always getting links and things I want to share somewhere. So I've got this little background of documents, even just making a post at Max Sparky, I've usually got a link for two or three different people I want to refer to in the post and maybe a link for an image. So suddenly my clipboard, you know, when I hit command V, I'm not sure I'm going to necessarily get exactly what I want because it may have been two or three items ago that I got what I need to, to paste now. So I've always been interested in these tools that allow me to keep a clipboard history and access all of those various entries. Yeah. Now and, I, I exaggerate a little bit. You can keep the clipboard for 24 hours, seven days, one month or three months. All right. I'm going to switch it to three months. Oh dear. But honestly, I, it's really the last couple hours that usually matter to me. And so, so, and LaunchBar had this as well. And there's third party apps. You can buy this, but I like to keep this kind of contained. And if there's one app that I'm going to use for this, it's going to need to work with it. In fact, I would, I would even go so far as to say if 
if Alfred didn't have really good multiple clipboard support, I probably would not have bothered because I just want to be able to use that all the time. Uh, so in LaunchBar, it's you can set it to re- keep a history of these various things you're clipping. And uh, I do that with me. The, the key to access is it's already muscle memory for me. Control option C. If I hit control option C, it opens up the clipboard. And then I've got the um, a, a variety yeah, I think of that's the here. default because that's what mine is. Uh, so then I can just go through and I can, it's got me a list and it not only shows me the clipping, it shows me the app it came from. Like I've got a ton in here from dragon because I dictated a bunch of stuff into the, uh, dragon notepad before I got talking to you earlier today. So I've got a bunch of text I've copied from there. I've got all of your contact information cause I've been copying it. And as we talk through the, uh, the contact database section and, um, all sorts of great stuff in here. So I've got all these clippings and I can just go through whatever field I'm in. I can hit enter, scroll down, and it's going to drop it right in. Oh. So you can view the clipboard. You can clear the clipboard. You can determine how long you want to you want to keep it around. Um, and you can also do this thing called merging with the clipboard. Do you do that very often? No, I don't. I, I, I understand it, but I just don't find I have much use for it. And the idea behind that is you could clip multiple items. So let's say you were going to make a letter and you had a, you were using a source document that had 10 paragraphs, but you only wanted paragraphs one, four, six, seven, and eight. You could just select each one and, and, and clip each one into this merge field. And then when you paste it, it would paste all five of them together. Right. And you access that by hitting command CC. So uh, th- there is an option to merge and, and you, you'll want to, you'll want to tw- tweak those preferences depending on, on how you use it. Cause like we said, by default, the, the clipboard history is, is turned off, but you can, if you want to merge clippings together, that is an option. The other thing that Alfred has is something called snippets, which I'll admit I, I don't use much cause I'm a big text expander user and I've got all my text expander snippets in there and I just I don't have an I think it's much more powerful for what it does so I just don't have a need for another snippet manager. Yeah, that's another feature that I'm just not using it as well. Yeah. But it's a it's a very but to to talk about what it is is it's a it's a very basic implementation. Well, I shouldn't say very basic, but it is a basic implementation of of snippets. So if you have a a paragraph or a chain of text that you repeatedly use, you can assign an, an Alfred shortcut to it and it will pop in that text. And that's just the beginning. There's more, but first let's talk about um, hover. Yeah. Hover is back as a sponsor of Mac power users and and we're so glad to have them. And um, (laughs) I I have a little bit of a hover problem because I have this problem (laughs) with um, renewing and ordering and transferring domain names because hover just makes it so simple to not only find the name that you want, because they've got this really intelligent search engine where you type in a couple of ideas or a stream or a topic that you're interested in, and it will come up with suggestions. So Hey, I'm I I I I'm interested in what was I interested in earlier? Spaghetti squash. So hey, what about you know spaghetti squash recipes dot com or dot net or dot co or dot tv? They've got them all, and you know sometimes you can't get the dot net of or the dot com of whatever you want, but there's always dot net or there's always dot co, and and hovers really got them all. So if you've got a domain with another registrar that you've been using, 
you can transfer them all to Hover. You know, I was really irritated, not even this week, is that another member of a group that I'm involved in, I'd asked them a couple of years ago, please transfer the domain name to me because I, I can I can get it with Hover. And, you know, instead they renewed it themselves and they sent me this bill for like 50 something dollars for renewing the domain with all of these extra services involved. They added on it. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is a two year domain name renewal. And you added this and you added that and you added this and you, you didn't need all this crap because there was all of this add on stuff, you know, and I said, please transfer the domain name to me to hover. In fact, we can get this guy on the phone. They've got this valet transfer service where they'll just do it themselves. And when you transfer a domain to hover, is they will actually extend the time. So you don't you don't have to wait until your domain's about to expire or it automatically renews or some domain registrars will lock it within like 30 days before it renews to get to keep you from transferring it. So Hover will actually we just renewed this domain for 2 years. Hover will actually, you know, then add on to the renewal so you don't actually when you transfer it. So you don't actually lose any time and you don't get upselled on all this other stuff that my friend got upsold on when they renewed this domain for this club that I'm involved in. And I was like, "You know what? We could have gotten this domain a lot cheaper from Hover because yeah, you went to this bargain basement, you know, domain registration place and sure the domain was cheap, but then you added $20, $30 worth of extra to this domain. So. Yeah, it's not predatorial. I mean, some of these <laughs> some of these domain sellers really are and uh, the, it's a great service. It's easy to use. You don't have to be a geek to get in there and buy domains and it's really nice being able to get them, you know, when you come up with an idea or for your kids or for a business and you want to just get a domain, you can go in and do it without a lot of hassle from them. They also have an email service. That's what I use for maxsparky.com and I'm very happy with it. Um, you can find out more at hover.com slash Mac power users and you'll get 10%. Or if you just go at checkout and type in the discount code Mac power users. And, uh, I have to admit that I, I am, a, I'm an often user of hover. I have several domains I've purchased through them over the years. And as my wife has, I was at, I was at the, uh, at the tech show, I was talking to a guy about a, a really great idea for an online business for him. And he got on hover and bought it while we were talking about it. I mean, before we had finished the conversation, he already. I hope he used our coupon code. Yeah, he better have. <laughs> I'm going to find out about that. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Hover, for your continued support. Um, so th- let's talk about a, a couple of other. These maybe are they're power features, but I don't think they're necessarily that hard to implement. And the other are, and, and these are system commands within Alfred. So you. Yeah, can- this isn't a power feature at all. Like, if you want to restart. Well, it sounds like it, it though. So restart. I think it I think it scares people away. Yeah. But I mean, it's know, got that big scary system icon. Like you just want to restart your system and you just open up Alfred and type restart or shut down or whatever. And it, once again, it allows you to avoid having to reach behind and push a button or do whatever incantations you do to shut down your Mac. Yeah, they've, um, they've got a whole slew of them. You can check the box for those that you want to activate. For those that you're afraid that you might invoke by accident, you can click a little confirmation button. So you have to say, are you sure you want to do this? Yes, I'm sure. Okay. Um, I use this all the time to lock my machine when I get up from work. You know, if I'm stepping away from my desk and I don't want someone at my desk, um, I'll I'll invoke Alfred and I'll click lock or I'll type lock and it will, you know, take me to the to the logins. I mean, it will still keep me logged in, but, you know, you can take it to the login screen where you have to log in to get back to your desktop. So it basically clears whatever's on my desktop and, and takes me to the lock screen. Yeah, you can even eject media. Type eject. 
And you can even tell it what to eject. So for example, I've got mindset to eject just the local volumes because I almost never wanted to eject my, my mounted volumes, my, um, my network drives. Yeah. So, so removable media is what you've got it set to eject. Uh, local mounted volumes is what I have it. Now, you know what? I think I should have it set to removable media. I'm going to fix that. Yeah, local mounted volumes is the stuff you don't want to eject. Yeah, I think I'd change that when we were playing with it. Okay, removable media is what it's set to. Yeah. Um, and then there's also terminals. So you can get you can get access to um, to run shell commands and to quickly open the terminal through hover as well. I'm sorry, through <laughs> Alfred. <laughs> I don't know. You might be able to do that with Hover too. I don't know. There's a lot you can do with Hover. Maybe you can buy Terminal.com. There, you, I doubt well, it. I suspect that's. I that's suspect gone. it's gone. I suspect it's gone. Um, so you can also get to a command prompt and, and invoke uh, incantations from the terminal as well with Hover or Alfred. <laughs> See, now look what you did. <laughs> <laughs> it's got. It's it's also got for iTunes users. It's got a full set of commands in there for iTunes: play, pause, next, previous, random. You know. Uh, you can go through and you can get your music going through through Alfred through iTunes. Yeah, and this is a pretty slick user interface. It will it will show you some cover art. You can skip backwards. You can skip forward. You can navigate through your playlist. Um, you can do quite a bit within the within the iTunes interface. I mean, it's 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 more than just find a song and play it. You can go through playlists. You can go through artists. I mean, it's it's really full access to your iTunes library. Yeah, through your keyboard. It's through, great. All through your keyboard. Um, and then as, as we talked about, there are a lot of settings with Alfred. You can customize the theme. You can customize the placement. And, and there, there is so much fiddling you can do to customize this app exactly the way you want it. You're probably, once you get these all these options set, you're going to want a way to populate them across all of your Macs. So, for example, I have Alfred running on three different Macs. My, um, my, my MacBook Air, my Mac Mini server, and my Mac Mini at work. So you can actually, using Dropbox, you can tell Alfred where to store its settings, and it will intelligently look in a specific folder that you set for settings and keep all of the settings in sync. It's pretty smart. So that that change, for example, where I'd accidentally set it to eject exactly what I didn't want it to eject, I just fixed that when you said, oh, I don't think that's what you want to do, Katie. And now that change will automatically be on, on my work computer when I get there in the morning. You, know, you can even it, it by default places the the Alfred window in the center of your screen about a third of the way down. You can change the location. Uh, you can also have it save the position if you want to be able to drag it around. I like having it in the same place all the time, so my eyes just know where to look. Um, there's a there's a little like bowler hat that's in the Alfred icon, and I I've removed that in almost every place I can. I just want the words. You know, if I see an icon, I want it to associate to an app or a document I'm looking at. I don't want to confuse myself because I'm easily confused. Ooh, how do you remove the hat? Uh, you go into the appearance options, uh-huh. and there's a checkbox, hide hat on Alfred window, and tap that, and you are good. Huh. All right. You sound like you don't believe me. I see it. I'm clicking it. All right. Got it. You can also hide the preferences cog. I think I'll leave that there. No, I like that because yeah. occasionally I need to get in there. Yeah, you Although can I, you can hide the menu bar icon too. You could also do that. Just you know, we're keyboard junkies, right? Command comma is always almost always the preferences keyboard shortcut. So if you open Alfred and hit Command comma, it'll go to the Alfred preferences. 
If you want to hide the cog. There you go. I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to do that. <laughs> See how long that lasts. No, I'm not going to do it. But, you know, you can, um, you can make the large text even larger. Yes, I, I like that. Yeah, there are all kinds of things you can do to customize Alfred. So, all right. And then there's the geekiest part of Alfred of all that we've saved for the last. Are we ready to go there? Yeah, this is, and this is the workflows. I think they stole that name from us. No, I, I don't think so because we don't we don't own the word workflows. I, I think we I know do. I have a patent should, on it. I was talking to somebody about that recently about how workflows has become such a thing. You know the word itself, and I know that for me, I think I would attribute my first exposure to the word to Derek Story, uh, who we've had on the show, because in the photography world for years they've had the word workflows where they talk about how they manage their film. It may go back to, you know, uh, the developing room and the red light where they were developing film. I don't know how far back the word goes, but I do know that I heard it by photographers and I thought it was a really great word because it really explains a lot of the stuff we try and talk about on the show. And then that led to, you know, the interview with Merlin and all the workflow shows we've done over the years. So we certainly don't have any right to it, but, but it, it also has really become bigger over the last few years. And I know a lot of people are using the workflow word, the W word. Maybe they're abusing it. I don't know. Maybe it's just developing. But anyway, Alfred has this really great feature that they have called workflows. And this is one of the reasons why I was, I was kind of drawn to it. And workflows kind of harken back to me to Quicksilver in a way, because it's something that other developers can make and plug into the system that, you know, uh, Quicksilver had what they called plugins at the time. And these are essentially Alfred plugins. And what you do with these workflows is you create a little bit of a clever code and you can add features to the application. A good example is uh, David Wayne, our friend David Wayne, who was on the show, emailed me saying, okay, Dave, I understand you like Alfred, but I like the recent applications, the most recently opened applications. I can do that in Alfred. I don't know how to do it with Alfred. And I don't know how to do that either. But then there's a workflow somebody made and I'm going to put it in the show notes. I think I already did, actually. And it allows you to see the most recent items. So if I activate Alfred and I type REC, it will give me a list of the most recent applications, the most recent documents, all the stuff that I can get to. And it's a feature that's not built into Alfred, but I've added it as a workflow. So you import these things. I haven't created my own workflow yet, but there's a website called the Alfred two workflow list that has just about all of the good ones that are out already. And people have made some really amazing ones. I've got one that's a date calculator. I've got one that'll create an OmniFocus task. I've got one called clean up icons. I just type clean up icons. If I'm on the desktop, it cleans up the icons. Um, you know, all these little things, there's one called say something, or if I say, say it'll, it'll speak a command. Um, there's one that should I watch this movie and it goes and looks it up in Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it's really, it's really quite remarkable. So have you played with these at all, Katie? I've played with them since uh, I've become aware of this workflow list. Like I'm really interested in a couple of these, like they've got tools where you can plug in um, to day one. Although um, I know Brett made some tool drink. Um, are we still doing that? Yeah. I think I'm going to make a t-shirt that says Brett Terpstra drink. Don't anybody steal that idea before I get it up. Okay. Okay. Did you just buy it on a hover? Because if you didn't, it's too late. <laughs> okay. Um, 
what was I talking about? Okay. <laughs> oh, day one tools for Alfred. I, I think Brett made some, but but some other guy named John Ving's got one up up here. So maybe Brett needs to hurry up and get his stuff. Get his da- stuff up David here. Ferguson. Yeah. I have um, downloaded several of his. I'm going to link his website. He had some really great ones. Uh, I believe he's the guy that had one that converts the old Alfred one plugins to workflows for Alfred two. He has one called Alfred tweet where you can tweet right from Alfred. Oh, he's yeah. got one called lorem ipsum. So if you want to get some filler text, I type lorem space 25 and I've got, um, then I've got 25 words of lorem. Yeah. I, I use text expander for that. Yeah. It's got, um, there's some Evernote ones here. I haven't really, I, I downloaded, but I haven't played with it yet. There's a Wolfram alpha one that will pass Wolfram alpha, uh, inquiries through and get stuff back. I it's like a kid in a candy shop. I I still haven't figured out exactly how deep I'm going to go with this stuff, but I've got a bunch of them loaded and because I'm syncing my Alfred preferences between my two Macs, every time I add a new one I go to the other Mac it's already installed. Which oh, is something this one's I, cool. Do you see this airplane mode? Turn off Bluetooth, Wi-Fi and lower your brightness. Yeah. And there's a there's a bunch of them that allow you to very quickly turn toggle your Bluetooth and your Wi-Fi. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm going to have so much fun with this. And that's, you know, so that's really what brought me into, to Alfred at the end of the day. It's, it's a nice interface and these workflows, you know, cause I'm getting the emails and the tweets already saying, well, should I, should I not? If that's the kind of stuff that interests you, you should check this out because I think it's only going to get better. They've opened it up smartly to third-party development. And as we both know, there's some really, really smart people, many of which are listening to the show right now that can, can make some really wonderful workflows for this application and increase its usefulness. Like I've got one here for caffeine, you know, caffeine, the little menu bar app that, that keeps your screen alive. Mm-hmm. Um, I type CAF, C-A-F-F space 10, and then caffeine is activated for 10 minutes and then turns itself off. Oh, wow. Now, we should mention that just because it's on this workflows list or just because you find it doesn't necessarily mean that it's perfect, right? Yeah. I, I'm not aware of a way that these could be used to um, to hack you or cause some kind of mischief. But, you know, these are, it's an ongoing project. People are developing these things and uploading them. If you read the, the notes and the readme files coming with these things, you'll see that they're all very much works in progress. There's one up here that's a bunch of email management tools. Yeah, that one's a little buggy. Well, I just played with it just to see if it would work, and it does, but it's not as fast as just doing it yourself with keyboard commands in the mail app. But just the idea that someone would have the moxie to put that together is encouraging, because this is very early days. As we record the show, this app's only been out a few months. I don't even think it's been out that long. Okay, I've lost track. Yeah. I think it's been weeks. No, it's been at least a month. Okay, maybe. Maybe it's been at least a month. Yeah. So so they're easy to get. You don't need to program them yourself, but you can. And there's all sorts of tools for these things. But I think as a user, I would just go to the Offer 2 workflow list and look through and find a couple that you like. And with all of these types of learning tricks, the the real key is not to download 20 of them, but download one or two that you think you use and incorporate those into your life and figure them out and then go get a couple more. Don't try and do them all at once. Yeah. 
because you'll you'll just be overwhelmed, especially if you're just starting off with Alfred. You're you're gonna it's 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 really tempting to and 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 I'm suggesting you don't do this. It is really tempting to check all the boxes, open all the preferences, give it access to everything, and just go. And I think that is probably the worst thing you can do because you know you need to start off a little bit at a time with this, bite it off in little bit of chunks. You don't want Alfred indexing everything. You don't want all of the preferences turned on. You know, start with some of the defaults and then go in and add from there. Step it Didn't up. Agree more. Yeah. So. All it's, right. It's it's looking pretty good without the cog though. <laughs> I mean, it's a keyboard app, so you should you should activate the preferences without using your mouse. Okay. Have we covered Alfred? I think we've we've done a good start on it. I, I go check it out. Go well, since the since the show is not yet an hour and a half, I think we have time to to talk about our last sponsor and then maybe maybe do a little bit of feedback that is um, much much piling yeah and if you don't one last point on alfred is if you're not that interested and you really like launch bar you don't have to tell me about it it's okay it's okay yeah 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 we don't we don't need all the feedback on that (laughs) yeah so our last sponsor today is fujitsu and they make the awesome scan snap scanners that that we all know and love It, it just never ceases to amaze me whenever i go around people who are passionate about paperless and and getting documents uh, transformed digitally even people who have no idea who the heck i am and the fact that you know uh, i've been using scan snaps for years and we talk about it on the show and i even wrote about it in a book um whenever i talk to somebody who's interested in this stuff they they can't wait to tell me about their scan snap and it just happened to me last week at the at the aba tech show some lawyer walked up to me and said uh, you know, I don't know if you're into paperless. <laughs> he didn't know who I really? was. And, uh, he says, but you got to get one of these scan snaps. That's just the way to go. And he was talking about how he has them in his office at all his desks. And I said, buddy, you're preaching to the choir, but you know, the, the new scan snap IX 500 is just amazing. Uh, it, it's a, it's a very fast desktop scanner. Uh, it's got that simplicity that Fujitsu does so well, where they've got a device that looks really nice and clean on your desktop. It's just got one button, this nice blue button. You stick a pile of paper in there, and it just zips through it like uh, like there's no tomorrow. And it pulls the documents out. It's got scanners on the front and back, so it gets both the front and the back side at the same time. It does a, an excellent job of making sure it doesn't capture two pieces of paper. It's got the feeder that makes sure it just gets one. And it's very quick. And when it's done with that, then it hands it over to your Mac and you've got the excellent Fujitsu software, which goes hand in hand with the scanner. And it does the OCR for you if you want it. And I always use that trick. And then it's got a variety of ways it can save the files. It allows you to set up preferences or profiles for different scanning techniques. Uh, But the fact is, once you've done it, it just scans the stuff effortlessly and you've got it on your computer. If you don't want to get the big uh, iX500, you can go with the smaller uh, 1300i, which is a it's more portable version, but it also has a sheet feeder in it, and it's got some great features. Um, if you want to go with the 1100, that's the real tiny scanner that you can carry with you in your in your bag if you're if you're traveling a lot and you want to be able to capture documents on the road. Um, they've got a, an excellent lineup of products. And as Mac Power users, I really appreciate the effort and work they put into making great software for the Mac because that really is the pieces of a scanning system. You need 
one excellent hardware and two excellent software. And they've done both of those things. Uh, we couldn't be prouder to have them as a sponsor. Well, we both have loved and purchased their products for years before they came and started sponsoring our show. And uh, I, I, um, I suspect I will still be using and buying their products long after the Mac Power users is in the dust. Yeah, and I hope that's a long, long time for now. But I'm uh, not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, we should clarify we're not going anywhere. Um, yeah. I love my scan snaps, and I've gotten my whole family in on the scan snap bandwagon. I, I handed down my um, my older scan snap to my dad. Both my mom and my brother both have have thirteen hundreds that they're using, and my mother's so funny. She's she tells everybody about it. They had house guests this this weekend, and I was. Um, she hadn't used the scan to email function. So she said, I want to do it myself. I just want you to sit here while I do it to make sure I don't break anything. And I said, okay, I can do that. And um, their house guests were there and she, w- she was showing them, see, look, you just stick it in here and it will do both pages at one time. And then it goes in my email. And then she was just so pleased. I mean, she loves her scan snap, except she calls this a snap scan. I'll have to get her to do an ad spot one of these days, I think. Yeah. But other than that, it's great. Other than she can't remember the name. Well, you know, it's it's just such an easy recommendation to make. When people ask me about a scanner, I just say, just get a scan snap. I mean, at the um, it, you know, in the law business, there's a lot of people making a lot of money selling you big, heavy products you don't need, and the scan snap is just one of those things where it's so easy to to recommend it. It's it's a fraction of the cost of the, you know, quote unquote industrial solutions, and it gets the job done so much faster and easier. So. So check it out. If you haven't done it yet, it's really the best way to get paper turned into digital bits. And uh, I couldn't recommend them more. And thank you, uh, Fujitsu, for sponsoring this the podcast. Right. All right. We got some feedback to blow through? Yeah. Yeah. We have a lot of, of great feedback lately. Uh, our I, listeners I are pretty smart. Up. Yeah, <laughs> they are. They certainly are. So um, – We've heard uh, about Markdown, and we talked about it with the show with Eddie and the new book out. And and JF wrote in and talked about Markable.in, which is another um, source for web-based Markdown writing. And it's really a nice service. I went and checked it out, and that's another one I would recommend. So Markable.in. And we should also mention that JF challenged us to come up with better transitions to our ad spots. So. Let's work on that. Yeah, we will. And I want to talk about X, but before I do, let's have a word from our next sponsor, Y. So we're trying, folks. We're trying. Yeah, if you got a better idea, send them in, but we'll work on that. Um, I mentioned in a recent episode, I'm not sure which one, that one of the features that I hoped was coming with iOS 7 was the oh, I think it was when we were talking about the Sonos system. Um, I hoped that one of the features that was coming with iOS 7 was the ability to airplay from my iPhone to multiple speakers. Because the way that I've got my setup here is I've got speakers in my kitchen attached to an Airport Express. I've got speakers in my study attached to an Airport Express. I've got a Jawbone jam box in my bathroom. I've got, you know, an Apple TV in my living room with speakers. I've got Apple TV in my bedroom with speakers. So, you know, on any Sunday when I'm, you know, working around the house or doing things, I've got my iPhone in my pocket. I'm going, all right, I'm in the bedroom now, switching to this speaker. Okay, I'm in the kitchen now, switching to this speaker. I'm in the office now, switching to this speaker. And I'm going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I said, you know, wouldn't it be nice if I could just say, play throughout the whole house and keep them in sync and just do it? Um, Well, a couple of people wrote in about airfoil speakers. And 
I, I actually have access to airfoil. These are things that I already own because the feature to play to multiple speakers is available in iTunes on the Mac. So people suggested take a look at uh, Rogue Amoeba's Rogue Amoeba, who has a bunch of great audio apps, Airfoil and Airfoil speakers, where I can share any of the docs or any of the audio on my using my home server, which I've got already set up, and then push music from them to all of my devices around the house. So, yeah, I knew of our Airfoil too. I don't know why I didn't mention it at the time. I still want it in iOS seven though. Yeah, well, maybe we'll get it. Let's maybe. just. Uh... See what happens. There's a lot of interesting talk about iOS 7. I'm very curious to see what Apple releases. The scuttlebutt is the UI is going to have a, uh, a significant change for the flatter. I hope so. Um, we had, we heard back on the typography show. And first, I thought the, the feedback on that show was very interesting. We got quite a few people who said they didn't like the show. And then we got quite a few people who said it changed their lives. So... It's, I wouldn't it, say we had quite a few people who said they didn't like the show. We had like two or three. Yeah, to me, that's every negative comment to me is multiplied by like a factor of a hundred. So, and then we got like <laughs> forty emails from people saying, "Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you did the typography show." Yeah. Well, anyway, so I I think we'll probably do another one somewhere down the line, and I thought Eno was great. Down guess, the line. So, so either way. Um, we had some interesting feedback, but we also got some great feedback from some listeners about a few things. We talked about dyslexia and, and Katie had raised the point of, is there typography that can help with those types of issues? And sure enough, uh, someone wrote in and gave us a great link to a video and uh, we're going to put that in the show notes. Thank you, Harry, for that. And, and I can see Katie, you've been messing around with the feedback because I had a great comment in here. About oh, Sorry typography and you took it out on me i, I that was completely accidental if so san serif island i just love this have you heard about this story mm-mm, mm-mm. we had i think lewis was the first one to write in about it but i thought it was really cool um so uh the uk's guardian newspaper in 1977 um uh wrote a story about the wandering islands where everything had a typographical name from the capital, which was Bodoni, to uh, the leader was General Pika, and they were the San Serif Islands. And there's a Wikipedia and a Wiki Travel article on these islands. It's entirely fictitious, but I got a real chuckle reading it, and I'm going to put it in the show notes. So check it out. Wow! Did you read that? I did not, but I'm it just, putting it, just it in my Insta right paper queue right there's now. There's even a picture here of the San Serif Islands, and the great thing is there's two of them. And one of them looks like a period, and the other one looks like a comma. Huh. All right. I'm adding it to my Instapaper queue right now. I don't know. I thought it was really kind of clever. Yeah. I don't think you're impressed. No, it is very clever. It is very clever. I'm, I'm adding All it right. to my Instapaper right now. Um, and you remember how I had my little hissy fit, which I guess people liked, um, in the last Merlin show about having too many inboxes and that I thought that, you know, now that we're getting all this technology, you know, all this technology stuff's just screwing everything up. Um, now that we have so many good services out there, like, okay, let, let me just add that to my Instapaper queue, that I'm now getting these multiple inboxes in multiple places. So I've got an inbox at work and an inbox at home and my OmniFocus to-do list. And then I've got my day one list. And then I've got my Evernote everything bucket. And now I've got my Instapaper queue that I have to read. And I actually got quite a few emails from people who said, uh, yeah, me too. Um, I've got that problem too. And um, 
David wrote in, not you, because I'm sure you don't have this problem, um, said, you know, a, a couple of the areas that I'm specifically working on are inboxes and contexts. And he has multiple physical inboxes like me, one at home, one at work, one he's got a folder in his messenger bag. He's got a couple of different electronic Im- inboxes. And it it just seems that most of those are almost all context related. So maybe maybe that's really the key to organizing some of this stuff. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I'm glad I'm not alone. Well, I remember, you know, the old tricks about productivity were that you should never have more than one calendar and more than one task list because when you start having multiples, then you start dropping balls. I don't think that applies to inboxes. I think that there are different kinds of inboxes because we have so many different kinds of information we're capturing. But I would say you don't want extra inboxes that aren't you know, extraneous inboxes, I guess would be the word. I mean, you should have one place to capture tasks and you should have one place to capture some of these things. Um, but I'm not sure it's as big of a problem as you made it out to be, but then I don't know, I guess it's just up to each person. I, I have several different apps and workflows I use for the various pieces of my life and they seem to work. If I had one where things were dropping and I wasn't managing them out of that inbox, then obviously that would be one too many. I guess I would say it's not a problem so long as you, is they all have separate purposes. I think the time you run into problems is when you have multiple inboxes for the same purpose. Does that make sense? I think that makes a lot of sense. So think about that as you're, as you're working through your day. Uh, and then there's another comment in here, Katie, that didn't make it through the cut. And okay. I just have to share it because I love our listeners. And Brendan is one of the reasons why I love our listeners. When we started the show with Sean Blanc, uh, like a month ago or two months ago at the beginning, I was commenting on about how I have trouble with the name Sean, because there's a good friend of mine that spells it a certain way. And if anybody spells it differently, there's like a moment of hesitation. And I always forget how it's spelled. Like Sean Blanc spells it differently than my friend, Sean. And of course I have a listener write in that says uh, that he explains the full etymology of the name Sean. It's uh, Sean spelled S-E-A-N is the Irish Gaelic form of the name John, which I didn't know. And that's my, the way my friend spells it. And so I was able to say to my friend, Sean, are you Irish? And he says, as a matter of fact, my grandfather was Irish. And so I felt really smart, thanks to one of our readers. Whereas the different spellings uh, uh, vary as to where you come from. Um, there's a Norman version uh, spelled S-H-A-W-N, which I believe our friend Sean Blanc probably comes from. There's a version S-H-A-U-N, uh, and there's a version called Shane, S-H-A-N-E, which I believe is Irish. And then there's, of course, Owen, which I had no idea had anything to do with the word Sean. But nevertheless, the reader says so, so it must be. So anyway, I, I love our readers because we'll have a little comment like that and I'll get these great emails. There you go. Did I just waste everybody's time? No, I don't think you wasted anybody's time. Okay, good. However, uh, we have been recording for one hour, 29 minutes, and 27 seconds, which means in order to hit our one hour and 30 minute mark, as we seem to have been doing quite a bit recently, we yeah. better wrap it up. Yeah, we got we to gotta hope that we don't hit anybody's auto-delete macro or something. I know, that once happens. Once we hit the one hour, 30 minutes. All right. How do you find us? Well, you can find links to everything that we talked about in this episode, as well as all of our previous episodes over at MacPowerUsers.com or at 5x5.tv slash MPU slash 133 for this show. 
Uh, you can send us feedback at feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. And you can find us on Twitter. We're at MacPowerUsers. Katie's at Katie Floyd, and I'm at Max Sparky. And, of course, we're all on app.net still as well. Yeah. Um, and I will tell you, you know, those, those iTunes comments things are really cool. But I noticed that we are, we are kind of getting close to 500 comments on the a U.S. store. I, I, I don't have an easy way of checking it in other countries. I think there's an app for that. And, you know, hitting 500 would really be cool. Yeah, that would be amazing. So I'm just saying. Yeah. If you do that, I'll give a Sally Field speech. Oh, dear. Please, <laughs> please do not comment. Do not rate the show. All right. Um, and uh, thanks to our sponsors for today's show. Um, we really appreciate you guys helping us out and bringing the show to everyone. That includes Fujitsu, Hover, uh, the transporter from Connected Data, and B-Docs that make the wonderful Timeline 3D product. All right. And uh, we will see you all next time. Next time.